Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 21 through 28, 26, excuse me. 21 through 26. While you're turning, how many of you have ever had a really amazing friend who impacted your life? Right? How many of you have ever lost a really good friend? Yeah. We have, and so we know the value of relationships, don't we? Well, this morning, that's what we're talking about. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. They really do. And it's so easy to go through this life and think, well, I don't need anybody, you know, because everybody hurts me or they, they do this or that. But the reality is, is we were made for relationships. The only thing God ever created that he said was not good was when he created Adam and he was alone. And he said, it's not good. And so we're meant to be together. We're meant to be in relationship. And so this morning, as we look into the subject, we're going to look at relationships with our brothers, our relationship with God, and our relationship with our opponents. And so we're going to pick up in verse 21 of chapter 5 and read through verse 26. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whosoever, uh, whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you are good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, and go first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and Father, we pray right now that you'll speak to our heart as we walk into your word together. Father, we pray looking for your voice and looking to hear from you this morning, and I ask that you'll speak to us. And Father, I pray that when we leave here, that we'll be changed, not because of anything I have done, but because we have met with you personally. And so, Father, we pray and ask that you'll move in this place. We thank you that you're already here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to begin this morning in our relationships with our brothers. He begins by addressing these. And so we have to look at who he's talking about here when he's talking about brothers. He's not necessarily talking about those who have been born to the same mother and father. Because what he has with him, remember, he brought the disciples up out and he brought them on the mount. And he's beginning teaching. This is part of the teaching. When we think of the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of times we think of the the begats, not the begats, the uh, the Beatitudes. There was a B in there. The Beatitudes. And so we, we think of that. But this is part of it. So he's got the disciples there. 
And he's teaching the disciples. He's instructing them on how things work. And he talked to them about brokenness, about coming alive, about finding their, about how God uses people. And then he begins to give them circumstances and situations to apply that to. And he begins here by talking about their brotherly relationships. So he's talking to those who are brothers or sisters in Christ, if you will. And so he, he brings up the Old Testament here and he quotes it to them. He said, the ancients told them not to murder or they would be liable to the court. Now, this is the foundation that he uses for the next instructions that he gives. Uh, he, he's about to give. And he, he addresses the increasing level of negativity toward others. I want you to watch the development of this as we go through these verses. And it, it all relates back to this idea of uh, comparing to murder. Because it's, you know, it was very obvious back in the day, back in when God gave the law, he said, thou shalt not murder. And so there, he's pulling from there to lay this out. He begins with anger. And so he says, do not be angry, or if you're angry with your brother. When to be angry with our brother is actually an issue of selfishness. You know, if you think about anger, now there's things that upset us that people do. But if we're anger, a lot of times, uh, more often than not, it's because either they don't see things our way, or they're not doing what we think is right. And so we get angry with them, because we usually because we can't convince them to change their mind. Right? And so he addresses that first, just being angry with each other. And so he moves on there. To those who call and tell their brother that they're good for nothing. So we move from just being angry to devaluing. They begin to devalue and say basically that it rejects what God had created in them. Because we're created with value, aren't we? God created us for ministry. He created us to be used. We're all unique. We're all different. None of us look alike. None of us sound alike. None of us sing alike. None of us talk alike. We don't walk alike. We have different passions. That's the beauty of coming together. We bring those passions together and God does an amazing work. And so the differences are our strength. And so we can go from being angry to starting to devalue, saying they're good for nothing. They're, they're not even, there's no value there. But it gets worse. Because when we're devaluing somebody, we're dismissing the creative hand of God in them. But it gets worse. Now we're going down to the next level of calling them a fool. Where we're actually degrading them. They're not even, in, they're not like zeroed out, like they have no impact. Now they're worse. And he talks about those who are calling them a fool. They're <laughs> in other words, they're a negative influence because of who they are. And so there's, it's very, you know, you know, here's the sad thing. This happens in churches. It happens in churches across America, and it's happening even now. And I want you to know something, brothers and sisters. We are not called to participate in this. We do not have any time for this nonsense. Deal with it early. Because we're going to, listen. How many of you... We all have families, right? Everybody here have family? 
How many of you ever get angry with your family? Not counting today. <laughs> we get angry with our family. How many of you go, man, is there any value in them? <laughs> How many of you said, man, they're just, that's just not, that's crazy Uncle Bob, right? That's what we kind of do. I had to think of a name that's not in my family. It's like 15 of them. We do that with our family. But see, if you're in a family relationship, you're going to get angry. You're going to, these things are going to happen. You're going to disagree. You're going to yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds like too. You ever notice that? When people are complaining, it kind of sounds nasally. It sounds just like that. Pry promise. <laughs> we don't have time for this nonsense. This is not a godly characteristic. And it's not to be, and, and here's the really interesting part. You're going to see how to deal with it in a minute. The funny thing here is the innocent party has to deal with it. Woo! Yikes. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> and so he, <laughs> listen, there's a risk to you if you allow unresolved situations with others to remain. We cannot do that. We do not have time for this junk. We don't have time for it. Nothing's going on. I'm following the verses in order. I didn't pull this out because something's got to be dealt with. I know churches that do that. This is the next verses. Here's the thing. We are called to love one another. And to encourage each other. I've never understood the need to, to rip somebody down. I would rather build you up and let you soar and take all the credit for the flight. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome to know somebody else took flight because you were there for them? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? This ain't about us. And so he begins with these relationships talking about at home with our brothers. But then he talks about our relationship with God. See, our relationship with each other affects our relationship with God. Our relationship with each other affects our relationship with God. Have you ever tried to pray when you were angry with somebody? You ever done that? I will tell you this. If I try to hold on to the anger, it's very hard. But if I pray laying down the anger, the anger abates and it's a lot easier to pray. And so our relationships affect our relationship with God. Let's look at what happens here. He tells us when you're presenting your offering to the Lord. So in the process, here's what's going on. In the process of them serving God or offer, their offering to the Lord. If you remember your brother has something against you. He gives them a formula. He says, leave your offering there. Stop serving the Lord. Leave it there. So and, and <laughs> there's a higher priority than completing your offering. Your relationships with others are a higher priority than finishing that offering. You ever see that before? 
I hadn't until until I was studying this. And I thought, wow, you would think serving God would be the highest priority. God, family, you know, kids, church, work in there somewhere. I wonder, church. But he said, stop what you're doing. Stop. Because this is more important to me that you get along with each other than you make some offering. Leave it there. First, be reconciled to your brother. Listen, if you know there's a problem, you have to go get it right with them. Listen to who he says to, to do that, though. Watch this. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you. Not you have something against your brother. But your brother has something against you. So, Pastor, we're just supposed to run around and ask everybody, you know, are we okay? Are we, do we have to be afraid? Are, are we okay? Did I offend you? No. This is somebody who knows there's a problem. If you remember that he has, not might have, if you know there's an issue, get it resolved. Because it affects your ability to serve. I can't say, God, I love you, and then not love the people he loves. That doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. First, he says here, first, first, go get this done, and then come serve. Then come present, this is the third thing, then come present your offering. <coughs> See, here's the thing. If I think somebody has something against me and I go to them and I make it right, does it change my heart in giving my offering? Because I've humbled myself and been obedient to God and cared about them? Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. How many of you have ever had to go ask forgiveness to some first to somebody? Anybody? Four of you. Man, listen. <laughs> Got a good group here. <laughs> I have both hands up. It changes you when you have to do that. And you know. Anybody ever done something dumb that you needed forgiveness for? It's the same three. <laughs> we all have, right? How relieving is it when somebody forgives you? Man, oh man. It's like the whole world comes off your shoulders. And so we give whatever you sow, you reap. And so it's important that we follow these steps because it affects our relationship with God, our relationship with others. And so we cannot let anything come in here between us, folks. And the enemy knows that, so he'll try. He'll try. Well, that mark is just like that. 
that's how it sounds to you. Let me tell you something. If it, listen, if you want to talk about me, I don't care. But you better come talk to me first. Because if you don't, I will find out about it. <laughs> I always do. Eventually. And the thing is, if you go talk about somebody else, they're going to find out about it too. There's no time for this. Listen, if our eyes are focused on Jesus, I can't have my eyes focused on you at the same time. And that's where our eyes are supposed to be. You put your eyes on Jesus Christ, and we allow the Holy Spirit to overwhelm and flood our hearts, and we get down here, we spend our time praying and seeking God and asking for wisdom and serving in ministry. We don't got time for that junk. Usually the ones that do don't have those things in place. We could work ourselves to death just getting the work done that needs to be done. No, I don't think we're called to that. I think we're called to be obedient to what God has asked each of us to do. And only that, and not more than that. When we first started this church, we sat down and there was one other couple. And we sat down and we talked about the things we needed. And we were exhausted from the list. And we decided right then that we are not going to try to be something we're not. We are going to be who we are and do that. And if we we're supposed to be something different or more or, or another area, God will provide somebody with that heart. And so, who's the, where, what is the church, right? Is this building the church? No. Look around. The church is sitting next to you. And if that's who the church is, what God wants done is sitting within your heart right now. Amen? Amen. Oh my? <laughs> that's the beauty of this. See, when we do this God's way, we share his priorities. See, people matter so much to God, he would rather you be right with them than to bring him an offering. Isn't that amazing? We see into the heart of God right here. We see into the very heart of God. He said, don't even make an offering. Go get that right. Then we'll be okay. He cares more about that because he tells us to do that first. And so be careful because our relationship to each other affects our relationship with God. But then we have opponents. Anybody here ever had an enemy or somebody who acted like an enemy? Yep. I have. I know that's hard to believe for some of you. How can somebody so sweet and wonderful It's shocking. <laughs> but I have. I have. And so how do we deal with that? Well, he tells us in verses 25 and 26. He said, make friends quickly with your opponent. Make friends quickly. 
But pastor, I don't like them. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have never said that. Haven't you ever met somebody that just, it's just hard to like? Like your personalities don't mesh? Yeah? Hopefully they're not in this room. But we meet people like that. It's just like, I'm really trying to like you. And you keep ruining it. <laughs> And so he says to make friends quickly. Listen, it's easy to take a posture of, I'm going to crush them. If you do an opponent, <laughs> if you do, an opponent can become an enemy. And then what have you gained? If you take the posture of, I'm going to crush you. An opponent becomes an enemy and you gain nothing. However, the sooner you make friends with them, it will begin to disarm the conflict. It will disarm the conflict. It's, listen, it's very difficult to take your friend to court. Don't you give your friends a little more leeway than you do people that aren't your friends? Right? They may say something stupid. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Say something unsmart and you kind of let it go but if an opponent says that you know we're out there ready to let them have it we just add it to the pile right why are we keeping a pile listen to me if Jesus died and forgave that why are you piling it up uh oh now we're going to get into trouble you just start saying amen because I'm in camp here if you don't. Amen, brother. <laughs> she wants me to move on. <laughs> but you don't know what so-and-so did to me. You ever said that? You weren't there. You didn't feel it. You don't understand. I'm going to tell you what my answer to that is. You're right. You're right, I know. But Jesus does know. And he forgave them anyway. Well, I'm not Jesus. There's a problem with that, though. Because I've said that too. <laughs> the Bible says that we're to have the mind of Christ. And that ruins that. <laughs> so if I have the very mind of Christ and we're supposed to let it reign, then the way he thinks is leading the way I think. And so although it's difficult and hard and can be hurtful to confront the things and you remember the emotion, because that's where we're hurt at is an emotional level, Right? the emotions, or the level of disrespect, or um, the things that were said. And we carry those things. I would encourage you today to let those go. Let's bring those enemies back to opponents. Forgive that. And even according to this, it says to make them friends. I know that stinks. things.
but there's a reason for it. See, it's difficult to take your friend to court. We usually want to resolve conflict with our friends instead of escalating the conflict against them. If you don't make friends, it could cost you more than the issue at hand. That's the deal. Because here, the person does jail time on top of paying everything they owe. So they don't just pay what they owe, they do all this other. And what he's trying to say is it's worse if you don't get it right. If you don't get it right. And so we're better off working with people than trying to be right and crush them. We're better off working with people than trying to be right and crush them. And so if relationships matter to you, let me give you a few things to think about. You need to be sensitive to the spirit in others. That's the only way you're going to know if you've offended somebody. The Spirit of God will tell you and seeing other people. Have you ever heard that phrase, you need, you need to see other people? Has anybody ever heard that before or used that? No? Y'all never heard that before? That's fantastic. So I'm going to teach you something new this morning. What it means to see other people is in the circumstance, you're able to see their perspective and their emotions on what you don't have to agree with it, but you understand it. You understand why they're saying what they're saying, where they're coming from, why they believe that is the, the best and right answer. Now, you still don't have to agree, but once you understand it and communicate that understanding to them, they're usually willing to listen. If you don't, it's just smart me telling dumb you. That's how it comes across. Isn't that what you hear when somebody can't see your, your position? Well, you just need to do it this way. I don't understand why you don't get it. You know what that phrase means? The person saying that believes they don't see them either. Right? It's really a leadership characteristic. Because if you're going to lead people... You have to understand them. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand what's driving them, where their heart is. Because then you can speak to them and bring them to where they need to go if you're leading. But not until. So listen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will lead you in that. So be sensitive to the Spirit and others. Look to, look for God's priorities and take them up. What is important to God? Is what is important to God important to you? Or is it more important to be right? Or to get your point made? Or to have others see it your way? I think Burger King has hurt us. <laughs> you know what? If I could have things my way, my life might be a mess, actually. <laughs> How many of you have ever been through circumstances and you're going, man, this is awful. And then at the end of it, you're like, wow, 
My life is so much better. You ever been through that? Yeah. How about this side? <laughs> right? And so, look for his priorities and take a look. Listen, are you seeking to discover this so you can accept it or adopt it? Are you seeking what God's priorities are? Are you willing to lay down your rights to be right? How many of you have ever been, have you ever, has this ever happened to y'all? How many of you ever were convinced that you were right about something? You let somebody else talk, go first, wait for your opportunity, and while they were talking, you realized that what you were convinced about, you were actually wrong, and you were so glad you didn't say anything. Anybody ever done that? I've done that. I was like, Phew. that was a close one. I dodged that bullet. Yeah. <coughs> Instead of just running off at the mouth and thinking that we got all everything, you know, here's what I've learned. The more that I learn, the, <laughs> what I realize is the less I really know. And so the things that God shows me, teaches me, are meant to serve me, not to lift me up, but to lift him up. And so look for God's priorities and take them up. That's two. Three, make friends. But how, Pastor, how do you make friends? You know, we, it was real easy as kids, right? If it's stuff we like to play or we needed somebody for the baseball team, we'd go and find somebody. Well, call Bobby. I know he's like, like calling because we need a ninth guy. I don't know. Any girls here play baseball when you're a little girl? No. <laughs> All right. Softball. Stephanie. <laughs> hey, I played on a co-ed softball team. We did pretty well. We had the, you know the key to coeds. I'm chasing a rabbit. You know the key to softball, coed softball, having good girls. Mm -hmm. We got good girls out there, man. We had a good team. That's fun. Anybody ever played softball before? Well, hold your hands up high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We need one more. We need one more. <laughs> you didn't know you were volunteering. <laughs> Thank you all. Did you get all those names, James? <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Make friends. How? Common interest. Find things that you have in common. You know, you have things in common with everybody alive at some level. <clears throat> see their side. Learn to see somebody else's side. Think about what they have to say. If you care about them, you're at least going to consider why they believe that to be right. Work together. You know, that'll build relationships faster than anything when you work together. Humor. Humor is a big part of getting things done. I'll be honest with you, I've gotten uh, my pizza guy here needs to not listen to this, but I've gotten more free pizzas with humor than I have anything else. I had like five free, free pizzas once because I just I made a joke and they laughed. And they said, here's five free pizzas. Y'all are like, what was the joke? <laughs> Can you tell the joke? <laughs> Humor, don't focus on items of disagreement. Man, there's people in this world that just want to find what you disagree on. 
Why don't we find the 95% of stuff we do agree on and live on that and forget the rest? Who cares? Who cares? Some people just focus on that. Look for common ground, folks. Not for ways we can disagree. You know, there was a, there was a, a married couple that had been married for a little while. And their marriage began to degrade over time and was filled with arguments, disagreements. And this young man went to his wife and he said, man, I think we need to go get some counseling because this is getting bad. Our relationship's getting bad. And so up until that point, it had been a marathon of mystery. They'd been each other's throats for so long. And she would describe him as incredibly insensitive and dull. Well, she was hyperactive and dominant. Never a good mix, right? Well, they went to, the, to this therapist. And they went to start to get some counseling. And he said, what's the problem? What seems to be the problem? He didn't waste any time. The guy sits and he, he kind of slinks down in his chair and drops his head. He doesn't say anything. Well, that's the launching point for the wife. Fifteen minutes later. After she's running, just letting him, just ripping him, good one. The therapist stands up and he grabs the woman by the shoulders and he lays a passionate kiss right on her. And the husband's eyes get big. And she's standing there, wide-eyed, like, what just happened? And the therapist sits back down and he says to him, she needs that at least twice a week. And he looks at the therapist and he's kind of puzzled. He says, well, I guess I can bring her by on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> Don't be oblivious to others or to God. Don't be oblivious. See them. This dude was so oblivious, he didn't even know what was going on. We need to see other people, folks. See them. Put yourself in their place. Understand where they're coming from. In whatever circumstances they're facing or you are facing, pay attention to God in them and listen. The Bible tells us as much as it has to do with us to live at peace with all men. And so, it's really interesting to me that following usefulness and equipping them for ministry that Jesus focuses on relationships. Because relationships disarm the arguments that prevent the gospel from being shared. And I would encourage you this morning do not let the past dictate your future. Let the Holy Spirit and the one who died for you dictate your future. There are exciting times ahead. God is doing amazing things. As I look across this room, I see incredible talent, giftedness, um, beauty created by the hand of God for the use of His glory. And I want this to be ground zero. 
where people can come and be healed, where we can restore them to usefulness. Those who are burnt out can rekindle. There are people out there hurting today that have been hurt in church. You ever been hurt in church? I have. While on staff, how do you like that one? Hurt terribly. <coughs> but we don't quit. We don't give up because Jesus didn't. He didn't say, well, it was almost finished. He said it's finished. He finished. And you know, if somebody's going to hurt you, maybe that's something God is going to use in their life later on. So be it. That stinks, but it's true. You ever had hurtful things? God used them in your life? Anybody? Thank you. You're too young. <laughs> yeah. It's part of the deal. And you know what? When you go through those together, you find out who really genuinely loves you. Because the people who don't love you, they quit you. They bail. And I want to be a part of a body whose weakest link is still in the chain. The other links lift them up. When we're broken, we pick one another up and dust each other off and help. And it's a place of safety, a place where we can shoot and miss. And it's a place where we can shoot and score. Because they each have benefit, don't they? We so often categorize things as good or bad, wins or losses, instead of the, seeing the value that's on each one. That's what we're called to. We're called to the one who died for us. Let's put our eyes on him. Let's put our knees on the floor and our forehead on the altar and seek him for his guidance and acceptance and, and, and what he wants us to do. And let's love one another. Let's not let the enemy divide us. Let's keep him first and center and let the Holy Spirit be in control of this body of Christ. And never look back Never look to the side, but keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. I want to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.